Hey, so I'm going to start out of the gate with some great content, and um, I'd love to have some Q&A at the end, um, but we're going to pray, and I'm just really glad you're here. Thank God for Pastor Ramir. Uh, really, I love how he's taking this to the next level, um, but I really believe with addictions, we need special soldiers, because this is, I find that the church can be un, uh, ill-prepared for talking about real life issues like addictions. So I think our church is, we are growing in this and we're doing okay. And I love how we're being trained uh, to be specialized because uh, our effectiveness is really important because people are broken, amen? We are all broken and there's hope, right? There's hope. And that's what we're all about. We want to produce or point people to Christ, our great hope. So let's pray. Lord, thank you. For these moments, thank you for each person here. Father, just really um, make this practical, encouraging, provoking, uh, and full of hope today as we talk about these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So uh, I've been working with this particular field for maybe 20 years, and it's the ugly side of addictions and uh, the sexual addiction. But I find that this bleeds over on so many different um, just so many different things, and I want to kind of unpack this, hopefully in a in a concise way, without giving you overwhelming you with too much information. But we're definitely in a sexualized world, aren't we? And I think um, really the uh, you know it's no holds barred. Everything is very much in the open now, and because of our desensitized uh, world of advertisement. But also just the moral slide, uh, we find that this is very much accepted or not talked about, and of course becomes a normal part of life, tragically. Okay, so pornography, I read some statistics that, check this out, uh, every second 28,000 people are watching pornography, $3 million are spent every second on the internet related to porn, and one in five mobile searches are porn-related, okay? So that's horrible, okay? So maybe today you're not here with that type of problem, thank you, Lord, <laughs> but you may help someone to uh, overcome this a very real and epidemic problem. Uh, epidemic. I mean, the, the numbers are... Uh, horrifying actually. So I don't want to spend my time talking about how bad this is. I want to talk about the recovery of it because the average person is exposed to pornography between the ages of 8 and 12. So young children are, uh, we have to be proactive with them on devices and not afraid to talk about sexuality because sexuality is from God, right? We were made for intimacy to glorify God. But what porn does, porn, it, uh, one writer calls it like this, they glorify broken sexuality, broken sexuality, okay? And this is where we see this gender euphoric and gender uh, confusion today, where pornography is more than just between a man and a woman. Now it's between same sex and bestiology with beasts. And I'm just going to talk very plain today. Uh, it's it's just so broken. It's so broken. And what it does 
is it changes and rewires the mind, as Pastor Amir has said. And I have a lot of information on that, but I may skip it because it sounds like you covered that pretty well. But it rewires the brain. It rewires and uh, perverts and damages and destroys the individual. Uh, it's like a slow cook, right? It's like a frog in the frying pan, right? And the heat gets turned up ever so slightly, and he, the, the, the frog does not know that it's being cooked from the inside out. And this is exactly what sexual addiction does. First, it's innocent. First, it's a visual assault. It's a visual assault unexpectedly. And then there's, I'm going to go through the cycle here. Uh, there's stimuli, which is really big in our world. We, uh, they say when, a, when an alcoholic looks at a drink, his mind lights up. Okay, so that's exactly what happens to, to an addict. Or let's say someone might say, I'm not an addict. Well, we can, we can debate that. But the issue is an addict is someone that cannot control their desire. They are, it's called inordinate desires. It means that the desire is now controlling them rather than con we controlling the desire. So stimuli, which is <clears throat> those chemicals in the brain that, make us want more, the, the, the fight or flight, the ability for wanting calm. Why do people smoke cigarettes uh, or drink or do whatever they do? It's mo ma mainly because either they are trying to calm themselves down, right? They're stressed. But I, I feel like there's a reason behind every single addiction. So as counselors, we want to expose the lie that's number one. And number two, we want to expose the reason. And number three, we want, we want to help them enter into healing. Okay? So I want to talk about those three things. How are you? You good? Great. I'm going to kind of move quickly here. So um, this is recorded. We can, we can open this up to you. So uh, stimuli. So what is provoking or what is causing us to um, feel good? Well, it's interesting, uh, we could say, uh, you know, some Bible verses here. And by the way, why do we use the Bible? I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of using the Bible because, not a fan, but <laughs> I find it to be very necessary because psychology is good, but it, it, it really, it analyzes, which has its benefits, but it focuses on the mind, which, yes, controls the body, but the heart, it's the heart that feeds the mind, Okay. And so biblical counseling addresses the heart, which feeds the mind, which dictates to the body. So if my heart is empty, my head will be empty, and my hands will be uh, doing the thing that my lust patterns or your lust patterns want. Because we're, we're, we're in this age of feelings. Do what you feel. Uh, you deserve it. you got to have it. You're not hurting anybody, right? So stimuli, right, the stimuli is very much... Uh, connected to our emotional state. So if we're low, we may medicate or we may uh, watch things that will pick us up. So stimuli, we could say in a very generic way, is how we are picked up, okay? My pick-me-ups, maybe I go and have a couple bags of fries at McDonald's and I feel good, or maybe I spend 150 bucks at the retail shop, right? It's a pick-me-up, right? Or maybe um, uh, whatever, you can fill in the blank for yourself. But stimuli is a real issue. Now, um, 
The second thing is consumption. Okay, and I want to talk about that in one moment. It's the bait. Okay, so we're we're asking ourselves, okay, uh, what is uh, exposing the lie and exposing the reason? Okay, so why does a person drink? Maybe they're trying to forget their troubles. Maybe they're trying to numb themselves, which is a big thing, right? And with pornography, the stimuli, that constant intake of of corruption, I want to call it, creates a internal, and this is a good word, hell. <laughs> Literally. It creates an internal hell, which creates conflict, creates guilt, creates shame, creates and diminishes the man. Because I work with men. It diminishes the man. Physically, it's very interesting, I was reading this, that... Uh, the act of pornography, masturbation, or just the intake of these images, it weakens the singular cortex of the brain. So what does that mean? The singular cortex of the brain means it's the area where we make decisions for moral and ethical reasons. So what does that mean? That means that if, if we are engaging in long-term, and unfortunately, this addiction can last somebody years and can be hidden for years. And what it does is it diminishes and lowers the bar where most likely someone engaged in this will enter into fornication, adultery, and uh, extramarital things. And why is that? Because they're weakened, they're diminished, and they are vulnerable, right? All right, so I want to get to the good news in a minute. So. The lie is this. There's a couple of lies that uh, is really important. I think in counseling, when you know who you are, it's less likely to be lied to, right? If you know who you are, the devil will <laughs> certainly be lying uh, less to you because you know who you are, right? So if I know I'm a winner, I'm not going to act like a loser, right? But unfortunately, with sexual addiction, uh, we we can enter into this phase of despondency or not caring. It's all about the results. It's all about what I get. Well, this is very destructive. So the number one lie that's important to understand is that God won't fulfill my deepest longings. That's number one. This is the greatest lie, that God won't fulfill my deepest longing. Okay? So, therefore, I have. I am, it's, I am, or we could say I am in control of fulfilling my deepest longings. Deeping, deepest longing of significance, the deepest longing of value, the deepest longing of, of uh, being someone that is um, loved, right? A second lie is that temptation is... Um, or the satisfaction of my desire is up to me too. So let's say there's disappointment. Let's say there's a problem. Let's say there's something going on in your life that is creating disappointment. Instead of going to God, the sexual addiction can be what's called a coping mechanism. And that's a, that's a, huge, that's a huge issue right there where it replaces the Holy Spirit in someone's life and it becomes compulsionary or become something that is our go-to, okay? 
It helps us escape reality. Okay, here's a couple points. Helps us escape reality. How many people you know want to escape their reality? Most people, unfortunately, right? That's why we have the metaverse. That's why we have virtual reality. That's why we have uh, those statistics I read. They are disappointed. Some people, uh, they say that the average video gamer is 33 years old. The average gamer is not in their teens. They're in their mid-30s. Why? They're discouraged. They're lost. And certainly through the pandemic, that blew up even more. Maybe people feel trapped. And here's the big one. And this is where I want to segue. The big one is, and I'm going to quote Freud. I don't like to do that but uh, this is applicable, is that pain seeks pleasure. That's the big one. I'm in pain. I'm not supposed to be in pain. Really? We're not supposed to be in pain? Actually, pain tells me I'm alive. Pain is good. Pain is meant to sober us up. But in the addiction world, we want pain is bad. We want to leave that arena as soon as possible. Well, this living hell is, is when, uh, honestly, it's like the fast food. <laughs> it, you ever eat McDonald's fast food? Uh, once or twice is okay, you know, it's not bad. But imagine eating fast food seven days a week. What's going to happen? Yeah, anybody ever see that um, Netflix uh, supersize, I think it was called? Yeah, healthy guy, he's eating fast food. <clears throat> he's eating fast food, and his life changes, right? <clears throat> I think he was like 300 pounds, right? So this is what happens is the lie is, oh, it doesn't hurt anybody. You deserve it. It's not a bad thing. But guess what? It is literally destroying uh, the person slowly, okay? So... Um, it's a hell we create. Okay, I want to look at Proverbs just for a minute. Look at this. It's a hell we create. So, maybe someone's been abused. Maybe someone's in a bad relationship. Maybe someone is disappointed. Um, maybe the influence, and this is happening all the time. I just counseled somebody um, uh, where a young person is just, they're, they're in gender confusion. Because they have an influencer in their life there's where they are being introduced to this um, new orientation. And it's demonic. Let me, let me just be straight up honest. This is a demonic, evil attachment. Okay? So we want to use our tools. We want to use the Bible because we must meet the supernatural with the supernatural. Okay? So willpower does not work. Sorry, it doesn't work. But I want to go into the boundaries and recovery. There are ways, and we've seen it happen. Okay, I want you to look at Proverbs 9 for a minute. Proverbs 9. So, um, I remember I met with a guy for six months. He was divorced from his wife, uh, living a very, very, uh, he was going out, doing all, acting out big time. And then I said, are you, are you seriously wanting to be delivered? And we can go to God together and, and walk through this, these, this plan for six months. And this guy miraculously did that. And he was totally delivered, totally healed, totally rewired, married his wife, the one he divorced, which is awesome. 
and they have a good life today. They're, they're I should say, a healthy relationship. I don't, I don't know what a good life is, but it's a healthy relationship, right? All right, Proverbs 9. Uh, isn't that encouraging? There is hope. But if the person doesn't want it, I'm sorry, it's not going to work. Right? And this is where I find myself, I don't know about you, I kind of want it more for them than they want it for themselves. That's where I, that's my little rabbit. <laughs> you're like, you're like investing and praying and speaking and person's like really casual about it. And unfortunately with sexual addiction, you have to declare war on it or you will not, you will not make it. Okay. So uh, declare war means I take it seriously. And uh, we set up boundaries and identify triggers, which I'll talk about in a minute. Okay, Proverbs 9. All right, Proverbs 9, 16 through 18. Great verses. Whoever is simple, let him turn here. As of for him who is lacking understanding, she says, stolen waters is sweet. Isn't that interesting? Or forbidden waters is sweet. That, that, that's that's kind of like the, the thing that... Uh, there's a risk, and it's kind of like a thrill. like, And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. That, and that's the thing with stimuli. It's like we, we are stimulated for something, and that's what lust is, is we act or reach for something that God has not given. Right? So stolen waters is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Really? I mean, this sin, this sin definitely isolates... Definitely isolate, especially men, they withdraw, they isolate, and uh, they, they, they are rotten from the inside out. Notice this, 18, but he does not know, and this is, ignorance is a big deal here, and this is why I'm so glad we're talking about it. He does not know that the dead are there. Okay? Second Timothy says that the, the person that lives in continual pleasure is dead while they yet live. Wow. That's why. Where are the men today? Right? Sorry, women. I mean, you're awesome. Women are great responders. Where are the men? Where are the men? Where, and I see some great men in this room. Right? And that, that's why I'm provoked with you to challenge us to say, hey, listen, God help us to set the captives free. Amen? Okay, it says this. Her guests are in the depths of hell. All right, let's look at 626. Now, I find in counseling, maybe you find something different, that just telling somebody how bad it is doesn't really change them, okay? <laughs> okay but I, I want to kind of bring some points out here. I have found with you that the lie is telling that person who they aren't, so they have to establish who they are. And the person can lose their identity. Their identity now becomes failure-centered. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a pot smoker. I'm a foreign, whatever, fill in the blank. That is not the way to deal with uh, your, your recovery or your, ident your healthy identity. And this is why... We, I spend a lot of time going through what's called the grace identity, who grace has defined you to be. So our recovery is not sin-centered. I don't talk about the sin. 
I mean, I counsel homosexuals, lesbians, all kinds, the whole gamut, and it's very interesting. It's all linked to a lot of different emotional traumas. And one thing we do not do long term is we don't talk about the sin. I want to find out the lie, understand the reason, like why is it that you're in this habit, and then address God's mind if they're willing. All right, let's look at 626. Interesting, isn't it? Because God can heal a person. I was born this way. No, you weren't. We have genetic tendencies, sure. Definitely. Oh, it's a disease. No, it's not a disease. Right. And we want to approach those things gently and very carefully and lovingly. And you may disagree with that, but I'm just, it's my class, so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love you. I'm not trying to be obnoxious. Here. Okay. 626. This is good. 626. This is shocking because it's a war. We may be neutral, but the devil is never neutral. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, which means he's reduced to his appetite. Right? Wow. So we're born for intimacy, praise the Lord, right? The devil's like, I must destroy intimacy, right? That's why pornography, consistent use of it, destroys relationships, friendships. And I'll just be honest, I think women, I'll talk to the guys here, I think women can discern it. I think women are sharp enough to discern when someone is, um, you know, living in their lust pattern, right? And this is why in relationships, um, in dating and things like that, and premarital counseling, we simply ask the couple right straight out, is there a habit of this? Because a continual habit will destroy an intimacy and eventually destroy the, the, the relationship, if not addressed, okay? So that honesty and that willingness is, and that accountability, these are key elements here. All right, so he's reduced to the priests of bread. And look at this. They, uh, the adulteress will prey upon his precious life, right? Wow. If we think the devil is neutral, if we think our kids are safe without talking to them, without parental control, without initiating this conversation, then, then we really have to be thinking a different way, right? All right. So, stimuli. All right. So, uh, let's get into some good news here in a minute. All right. Consumption. We take the bait, okay? I need to deal with my pain, okay? I need to deal with my present reality, okay? Uh, and by the way, you know, is it really all bad? I think sometimes that we can magnify things and really lose our perspective. But we want to ask ourselves, Lord, I want to, I want, okay, and we're going to talk about this here. James, this is, this is the answer. James 4, 7, and 8. I want to submit to God. I want to come to God and say, Lord, I'm a broken mess. And this is where we are loved and our true need, and our true need is met, not our true want, okay? I might want a million things, right? Because Song of Solomon says, that, I mean, uh, King Solomon said, it like, my eyes are out of my head, right? My, like, stimuli, like, wow, right? I want that. And the devil says, take it. I mean, isn't it interesting the devil never talks about consequences? Oh, you just, yeah, take that. 
hide this, do that, have this side thing going. He doesn't tell you that broken trust, the broken heart, and the brokenness is really uh, tragically real. Okay, so consumption. We begin to take the bait, just like just like the the fish is in the water. I was watching these groupers getting getting hooked the other day, uh, and there's the fisherman. He's got the bait. He's he's tantalizing on the so- on the surface of the water, and there's and the fish looking from the bottom up looks at that and says, "Oh, it's a worm, or it's something I can eat." It's and they come up and they swallow it all, and it's a hook, right? We know if there's any fishermen here, uh, there's a thrill of the chase, but the fish is in trouble. Right? The fish is, in one sense, lied to, right? You need this, God is not enough. Uh, and then the reason, what am I trying to hide? What is it that, what is, what is it that I'm, not addressing in my life. So that fish takes it hook, line, and sinker, and so does the person, right? I just talked to a guy yesterday, um, you know, watching Netflix. Nothing wrong with Netflix, right? But hours and hours of Netflix, right? See, the inordinate desire, the desire isn't wrong in this sense. Uh, Everything is good in moderation, and I probably should balance that statement. Okay, I'm not going to encourage people to sin in moderation, but I'm saying that where does it take me? I had a guy try to tell me that marijuana was good. God made marijuana. I said, oh, that's great. I, I, I you know, and he's, he's, he's literally a functioning drug addict, actually. And I said, where does it take you? He loses hours of his time. He, he's inconsistent at work, and his, he's despondent to his wife. And I'm thinking, is that really helping you? Is that really helping you? And the answer is no, it's not helping you. It's a habit that will show how we can break that, Lord willing. And then uh, obsession. Okay, this is, this is the big one. This is when it becomes involuntary. So it means that I'm thinking about it. I'm just, okay, the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That's a real thing, especially with men as compared. We're compartmental thinkers. Uh, you know, we can, we're like a light switch. We turn it on, we turn it off. And really, because it's address, it's hurting our, 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 uh, our vortex, our, how do we say that word? Uh, it is the singular cortex. There it is. It causes us to not be able to problem solve. This is very interesting. We're not able to focus. <clears throat> There's no mental clarity. And really, it's because we're absolutely selfish. Right? Isn't that edifying? So, what's the answer? Well, think about it. The devil wants us to be desensitized, right? The, when you look at television, and I'm not against television, but when you watch television, you're physically uh, open to receive all that you're receiving without really the check and balances. And um, so we, we don't want to make ourselves vulnerable to uh, receive images to desensitize us. Th- this, is, this is the issue here. The devil wants to desensitize. Right? Sorry. I see. Right, I think that's desensitize. 
to tolerate tolerate violence, to inflict violence, to minimize violence. Um, somebody's calling me there. Okay, we want to uh, we domesticize being a slave, which means everyone does it, so I should be able to do it. What's the big deal? And then ultimately we feel helpless, right? Because God wants us to be awake, right? God wants us to be awake. He wants us to live in the moment. He wants us to be engaged. So this is where the grace identity comes in. And this is where I want to... Uh, 1 Peter 2.11, good verse. This wars against your soul. So when I meet with somebody, I listen to their story. It's an agopic relationship. Okay, that's a big term right there. An agopic relationship. Shame reduction is, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to minister to you without judging you. An agopic relationship means you're in a safe zone. So anything you say or I say or whatever is said, it's not like, I can't believe you're doing that. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, it's not like that. It's, it's a spiritually safe and... Uh, love-centered uh, environment. So, uh, so the number one thing is in counseling is okay. How how are you lied to? What's the lie? Well, if people really knew me, they'd want nothing to do with me. Really? That's one of the three greatest lies. If people didn't, you're amazing. Like. Not that you come out of the gate with reactionary responses, but you, you uncover the lie and then you compare it with Scripture. Right? I'm unlovable. I'm unworthy. There's no, there, there's no hope for me, right? Uh, there's no... It'll never change. We talked to a lot of young people after the pandemic. Depression, suicide is through the roof. I've done more suicide counseling in all of my years this past year. I think it's like 800% uh, higher. It's crazy. And it's young people, right? Okay, so I'm unlovable. You're kidding me, right? Right. This is the lie, right? I don't look this way. I don't sound this way. I'm not like that person. That's why social media, social media really needs to be in check because uh, that comparison can really bring in discontentment. And by the way, whatever we see on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and all the, all, I'm not against technology, but it's interesting how people capture moments, right? Is that person happy like that all the time? Are they on vacation like that all the time, you know? So we have to little, have a little perspective. So by the way, it's interesting. I, with pastoral care, I watch Facebook. Not that I troll Facebook, <laughs> but I watch it. You know why? Because I get a lot of information from ministry purposes. And that's going to sound what it sounds like, but I find because very few people go to the pastoral care as their first as their first um, stop. You know, because the social media is they're they're generating their own community, their own their own healing on their terms. Well, so anyway, that is what it is. We use all things for the glory of God. So number 2 we want to identify past trauma. Is there trauma? Now, I'm going to tell you straight up. 
I am not a trauma counselor. It is way too complicated. There are much more smarter people than I on that. But that's an issue right there, for sure. Something's happened, typically, that's created pain. Pain is good, by the way. The right kind of pain, I should say. So we want to identify, and then if we can't address that, we want to, we want to certainly refer people to people that can. Trauma is a real issue. The numbers are, I mean, I don't want to guess, but I, th I think I have the numbers correct. I mean, it's, it's, it's like they're big numbers, how people have been broken. And then thirdly, everything is related to our walk with God, everything. So we want to introduce the Bible. We want to introduce the Bible, okay? How are you doing so far? Are we all right? Yes. Can I keep going? Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. So let me just... So we know the problem. And that, you know, not that we talk... We don't talk about the problem, like Pastor Ramirez said, excessively. We identify the problem. We definitely don't minimize the problem. But venting... Okay, I'm going to say something here. Venting is a... You know, people have different ideas about venting. Uh, venting is is therapeutic, but instruction instruction I do know how to spell and uh, a loving initiation is what's going to change the situation. Okay, venting. Oh, this happened to me. I'm such a bad person. I did this and. Grovel, 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 grovel. Okay, there, there is a time for that, right? Psalm 13, 2. Psalm uh, 42, 5. There is a time for that. I remember counseling a, a man, and he was very angry. I mean, exceptionally angry. And I had to be very kind of, kind of be careful, because I thought I would, he was going to hit me in the counseling session. And uh, I had to walk very carefully, but he vented for the first three counseling sessions. And I don't typically do that, but and then on the fourth one I said, "Okay. Can we can we look at can we look at an answer here?" And it was tough. He he loved his venting. He loved his problem. He knew his problem more than the than the answer. He was intoxicated with his past issue. And fortunately today I'm able to speak to him without him blowing up, which is a good thing. All right. So, <laughs> so number one, we want to identify triggers. Okay, this is, this is important. The devil works in patterns. The devil is not creative. He's not creative. Therefore, he's working off what you give him or what I give him or what that person is giving him. Patterns. Identify the pattern. And we do this through what's called HALT. All right. Anybody? I'm sure you've heard of this halt, right? Angry. There it is. What are the triggers? What is it that makes you vulnerable to cave? Hunger, anger, loneliness, tiredness, boredom, stress, disappointment. The list could be massive. So we identify the pattern. Okay, at night, I tell guys, don't have your phone in your bed at night. Uh, if you have a family, have your computer in the foyer. Um, make safeguards so that when you are vulnerable, uh, you don't have the accessibility to cave. Now, 
I call them Jersey barriers. Anybody here from Jersey? Okay. So what's a Jersey barrier, Paul? Beats me. Okay. You're not from Jersey then. So Jersey barriers, uh, they're like this. So let's say you're trying to protect an area. I'm sorry. Uh, there's, there's like, it's like this. So let's say you're trying to protect something. Okay? And all of a sudden the car is coming very fast. There's not direct access to the, to the so let's say the installation. They have to hit something and hit something and hit something. And by the time they get to it, they've slowed down the momentum. Because if you ever notice about temptation, it's momentous. It's a suggestion, right? And then there's a stimulation. Oh, wow. And then there's a consumption. Wow, I want that. And then it becomes an obsession. I can't live without it. Okay? Jersey barriers are what I like to say in counseling are ways to slow us down so that we can think. Because pornography is the great liar. It's lying, right? It's lying, right? Because it's not going to meet our need. It's not going to help us in our, in our life. It's not going to draw us close to uh, healthy relationships in our life. It's not going to be something that strengthens our walk of faith, right? That's for sure, right? All right, let's look at James chapter 4. Is this something interesting to you? Okay, good. And by the way, there's really no formula, if I could say, but it is, um, there is an approach. And the agopic relationship is really important because when someone comes to you and actually confesses, that is a huge start. That is, that is the way to freedom. Because most people will hide it. Most people will manage it. And what happens is like cancer, it takes over, and then you're dead. Okay? Okay, that's fine. No problem. Um, so, when someone comes to you, it's like, wow, thank you for talking. Thank you. Let's just... Let's just, you know, I want to be accountable. That's, that's definitely, when someone says, I want to be accountable, I want help, this is something we have to take seriously. And then also to rebuild their identity. All right, so let's look at James chapter 4. Who's there? Who's in James chapter 4? Paul, you want to read that? James 4, 7 and 8? 7 and 8? Yeah. Okay. Submit yourselves, oh, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. One night God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Okay. You want nine, too? That's good. That is everything right there. That is everything, okay? So, oh, thanks, everybody. Now I got all these great markers. Thanks. You're so awesome. <laughs> um, so... This is really where you want to walk towards, okay? This is where you really, really want to walk towards. So, number one, we want to set up accountability. And typically, you can meet with somebody once a week or twice a week or preferably at the start, you want to meet with them to establish hope, hope. There's hope. Will I ever get rid of this? Will I ever be free? Will I ever have... Will the internal hell be turned off? And the answer is 
Yes, Christ can meet your need. Christ can satisfy the longing soul. Christ can give you significance, value, and purpose, and hope. All right, so we see this progression here, and I don't want to underestimate it, but, but let's look at this, James chapter 4, submit to God. Can I tell you? That's the hardest part. That's the hardest part. Because right? <clears throat> no addiction is dealt with on our terms. There's no addiction that will be conquered on our terms. I find this is the greatest struggle right there. Submit to God. What does that mean? That means, God, I am broken. And I am bowing down in my guilt and shame. And I'm asking for help. Guys have trouble with that. Because we're ego-centered and hard-headed. Sorry. Or maybe I'm talking about myself. Are you? <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to make enemies now. No, I find that this is the place where, like, God, please, please heal the, the default of our heart, which is brokenness. Heal us. And then we see in Ephesians 6.14, we see this. We see this. Oh, a nice marker here. Okay. We gird up our loins. We gird up our mind. Right? We gird up the loins of our mind with truth. So now, now there's stimuli, and all of a sudden it doesn't, it doesn't light us up. We recognize it. We say, okay, wait a minute. God's mind about that is that leads me to, the, to death, right? Okay. And then the, um, the uh, what was that? Consumption. Maybe there is a relapse, and someone goes back into it, and they, the, the dog returns to the vomit, right? That does happen, right? What happens? The devil pours on the shame and guilt, and then you say, okay, name it, repent, forsake it, move on. And there's hope. Okay. By the way, maturity isn't that I'm not sinning. Maturity is how quickly I recover from sin. Okay. People telling you they're trying not to sin, that's a, they're going to sin even worse, actually. But if it's sun-centered, not sin-centered, but sun-centered, Christ-centered, guess what? We are going to be not desensitized, but we're going to be very sensitive, right? It's like walking on the sands of the sea on your bare feet after a season like winter, right? Everyone walk on the sea, on the, on the sand of the sea, and your, the bottom of your feet is like burning. That's good because your feet have been protected and now they're vulnerable. This is how we want our hearts to be before God. So now that we're desiring God, the desire for sin is weakened, and now I'm desiring for God. Isn't that good? Creating me a hunger for God. It's God that does that, right? Psalm 42.1. It's God that creates the desire. It's also God that creates the will and to do of his good pleasure. So that's why willpower doesn't work. But I submit to God. We gave this illustration yesterday. It's like being on the water. You're a sailboat. Are you controlling that boat? No. You're raising your sail, and the wind is catching it. The wind is catching it in the sail, and it's moving the boat. That's where the grace identity and truth can rewire and heal 
the brain. Isn't that good? So in 1 Timothy uh, 2.22, we may have to run away. Flee youthful lusts, right? If there's an issue and you know it, don't try to manage it or don't try to flirt with it, right? Yeah. Don't try, oh, I can manage this. No, we cannot manage sin. We cannot do it. And I think being honest with ourselves is a really big deal, isn't it? Then being honest with another person. And then actually submitting to God. That's really, I don't want to just kind of say that's the key, but it is the key because we'll never be, okay, let's look at the verse uh, 4 7. Resist the devil. We'll never resist him without first submitting to God. Why? Because, sorry to say, our flesh wants sin. Wants it. That's why in submitting to God, we are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by, by, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. That's awesome. I love 220. Isn't that good? I love that verse. So there's hope. There's hope. Now, I don't want to sit here and in our counseling sessions with people, and I, however you want to do it, but I would not recommend spending a lot of time analyzing the sin. It'll strengthen the sin. But address it, define it, and then walk carefully moving in the recovery of it. Okay, That's why the grace identity is so valuable. All right, let me, uh, I got a f- 10 more minutes, we'll, and we'll have questions in a minute. So let me give you a couple things. Um, I like this book by Joe Dallas. Okay, Joe Dallas, The Gameplay. Anybody hear it? The Gameplay. Okay, I don't know who I'm really speaking to today as far as what addictions you work with, but he works good with um, just sexual purity. And uh, so, number one, we want to address the access, okay? We don't want to just hope we're going to stop. We have to take every possible avenue to, to set up the Jersey barriers. So identify where, what is the instrument that's causing us to be stimulated and enter into consumption and then, and then obsession. What is it? Okay, it's clear with what we're talking about. And I know we, I know we have some young ears here, so I want to be careful. But the phone, the phone is really not something... It, it's not something to underestimate. It's like giving a child a gun, right? I like to shoot, but you want to know how I'm be trained to shoot, right? So when you give your kid a, a, um, a phone, and I have strong convictions about this, you want to be there to train them and help them understand what they have, okay? So accessibility, this is the problem, okay? It's very accessible. Number two, accountability. <coughs> Be in that person's life. Say, listen, if you're really serious about this, we'll we'll submit to God together. We'll resist the devil together in truth. And then the cleansing of hands and then the the healing will, will, will follow. Number three, awareness. Awareness. So what's the first one? We said it's access. Number two, we said accountability. I find that accountability, this is another one. The devil will say, oh, don't tell anybody. You know, they'll think differently about you. They will put you on probation. They will 
disqualify you. Those are all lies. Actually, accountability is and transparency is the beginning for healing. So awareness. Awareness. What are my triggers? I think that's an important point. When am I weak? When are you weak? And remember, the devil works in what? He works in patterns. He works in patterns. He really does. Okay, the next one, amends. Okay, access, accountability, awareness, and now amends. So, repentance, right? Repentance is very important. Repentant to people, right? Repentant to God, obviously. Repentant to uh, anyone that you've affected, right? This helps restore trust. And then lastly is anticipation. Hope. There's hope. There's hope. Just like pre-promiscuous uh, sex before marriage often results in dysfunctional sex after marriage, right? There's hope that God can restore, right? There is God's ability to heal and give an incredible life beyond addiction. So, what am I encouraging today? I'm saying a lot of things, actually. Mm-hmm. Just spoke like a long time here. <laughs> so, maybe I'll take some questions. So, what are you getting out of this class? You talk to me for a minute. What, what are you hearing? Short, short, uh, short thoughts. What, what are you getting? Talk to me. Harry, what, what, what do you get? Um, from the class. Yeah. From the class. Yeah. Pastor, uh, thinking with, what am I getting? Well, how the healing happens, how Satan tries to use these things to destroy us. You know, there's a verse that may, I live by, it says, I know, Hosea says, God said to Israel, Oh, Israel, you have destroyed yourself. But in me is your help. So the help, the healing for the addicted people and the protection, you know, uh, Proverbs say about the man drinks, you know, it's a, it will, he will forget the law. He will forget the word of God. When Pastor mm-hmm. Ramir was speaking earlier, I remembered this book um, when I was in Bible school. Uh, doctors Carl Stevens, the one of the pastors here at the church, wrote this called Regine. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, when I, we were studying it one day, he was teaching. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, we yes. taught here in the church and other churches how to think with God through the Word of God. But the Word comes out, be, re, be restructured, be renewed in the restructuring of your mind. Mm. So the Word of God, um, we're talking about he's, God sent His Word to, to heal them. Every time we walk by the, one of our outreach on the, by the Addictions Ministry where the Methadone Clinic is, Mm-hmm. I think of that verse. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. You know, this class is about destructive patterns. I'm sorry I'm taking so long, but this, my heart's full because I counsel people before and I stand in the gap with you all. Yesterday I was uh, I just was reading a verse and I remember some God was talking in Isaiah about he looked everywhere for a counselor. He looked everywhere for an intercessor. He looked everywhere for a helper. In Isaiah 41 and Isaiah 59 and 63. And he says, but he could not find it. And then I remembered, you know, Revelation 5. The counselor, God, God's name is the wonderful counselor. 
He said, my counsel is from old, our faithfulness and truth, mm. Isaiah 25. Okay, so, Harry, good. So that's, I just wanted to excellent. say. Excellent. Uh, good, excellent. Uh, brief comments, because I want to hear from you. Yes. I love the fight is supernatural like to fight with have a theory or a fight that's supernatural mm-hmm. um, I've got a Hebrews 4 6 the sword the spirit of the sword when you were saying that and grace ID like grace identification and yes the lie um, and then I just wanted to ask that we can maybe do it later because you said a lot yeah and it applied to so much and I wanted to ask, is sexual, um, is what you, your, your portion was sexual addiction, is that different than other addictions? Because so much of what you said yeah. applies to, do you know what I mean, other addictions. Yeah. Um, and is, to you, is that different? And then um, a bigger explanation of Jersey barriers, but we might not have time. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> so I've got a, I got the hound dog on the clock here, so not, I, I want to honor that. Um, I feel like there's a lot of similarities. This is just another way to act it out. That's the short answer. Yeah. Yes, Peggy. I mean, this, um, I love this promise, I will build you again. Jeremiah 31, 4, I will build you again. I wrote a book on this verse. Very good. God is all in the business of healing and restoring. And remember, when we don't have walls of doctrine, when we are not operating in truth, the devil can just walk into an unfortified heart. So having walls of doctrine, this is what you're doing as a counselor. You're identifying the reason, the lie, but moving on to what is missing, okay? It's like our bodies, right? If we're depleting a certain vitamin, then it's going, to have, it's going to have an outcome, okay? All right, I think my time is done here, even though I'd like it to keep going. But I love you. God help us. God help us.